the wife. Well, I guess Andrew didn't set up our intro, so let me just go play it manually. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Grace, and along with Andrea Adams-Miller, the founder of the Red Carpet Club, we are the co-hosts of Leverage Masters. We have a fantastic show lined up for you guys today. Our guest today is Matilda Yarny. Matilda, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you're all about. Well, hello, Gina and Andrea. Thank you so much for having me on the show. So I work with entrepreneurs. Welcome to Leverage Masters, yep. airing weekly. Well, don't ask me why the delay. I'm so sorry, Radio. Leverage <laughs> Masters Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio-Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage. Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern <laughs> and, it and does on it twice on even. iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio-Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Some days you just gotta love technology. Welcome again to Leverage Masters, everyone. I am Gina Gaudio Grace. I have Andrea Adams Miller, my co-host, with us, and today our very special guest is Natilda Army. So, Natilda, let's try this again. Why don't you go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you're all about? Well, hello again. I interrupt you, Matilda. Oh, it's okay. I'm going to because, you know what, one of the things that I love about Matilda is that she is very humble. And if we ask her to only share with herself about herself, we are not going to get the full amazing scope of who she is. So I want to Oh, Andrea, by all means, take it away. (laughs) So her passion is to build effective questions and, or excuse me, questions. She is not building effective questions. She is answering effective questions with great answers that are all about streamlining your operations and help you nurture your needs and your clients using marketing automation. She builds a successful career as an IT project manager in higher education, in consulting and pharmaceuticals and high tech. And she is really from that managing software projects to full into consulting with clients, organizing international training sessions, and managing live events. She has literally done it all. And since her management skills and experience could be applied in many different ways, and that voice inside kept telling her there was greater possibilities, she decided to really focus on what she's heart-centered about, and that's working with heart-centered, passionate entrepreneurs who want to get their message out to the world who can really enjoy the benefit of her technical and business expertise and her ability to bend time. She literally today is going to tell us how she bends time to leverage your life 
to have a full personal and professional success. And I'm so excited about that. Matilda, welcome to the show. Oh, and we can all use more of that. Oh, that's (laughs) nice to live up to all those, right? Of course you will. All right. Uh, Let's go. So, um, do you have questions for me, or do you want me to just dive in and start talking about some of my favorite subjects? I would love to know more about how in the heck do you bend time, because I'm one of those people that really needs an extra 12 hours in my 24-hour day. If it was a 36-hour day, I would be lovely. Ah, you think. Okay. Well, yeah, I do call myself the time ninja. Um, So bending time. So really, as far as the whole time management uh, industry is concerned, I have a fundamental objection to people going, I need to manage my time. Because time essentially cannot be managed. Time is going to no, it flow cannot. regardless of what you do, right? So the really the yeah. focus is getting crystal clear on your top priorities and getting crystal clear on what you want to get done in the next six months, in the next year, in the next year and a half, and break all that down so you stay laser-focused. Because when you're trying to move 10, 12, 15 projects along at the same time and you haven't really clarified which ones are the most important, that's when you start feeling uh, overwhelmed and feeling like you're not making enough progress on any one thing. So I hear you on that for sure. You need to laser focus on the one or two things that will move you along the fastest, and then sequentially you can end up doing actually more in a given amount of time than if you try to simultaneously keep 10, 12 things going at once. Years ago, I used to to pride myself on being a multitasker. I actually Mm -hmm. thought it was a good thing that I could do six things simultaneously. Until I realized that when you're trying to be a multitasker, it takes you so much longer to get any one thing done. And if you instead just focus on one thing and then another thing and then another thing, all six things actually get done in less time than what you thought you were doing by doing them all at once. Right, because thing is... um... Yeah, that, that's an insidious trap that a lot of people I think, find themselves stuck in. And and I used to do it too, so I'm raising my hand. I'm I'm right there with everyone else who's listening to this going, oh, I've done that. Well, like, I've done it too. And the thing about it is when you're attempting to multitask, you're not working on several things at one time. What you're doing is you're switching your focus and your momentum back and forth between, let's say you're trying to get six things at once, right? So you're ending up switching your focus from the first to the second to the third and so on and so forth. And not only are you switching focus, you're also, you've got momentum going on the first one, first project that you're working on, right? 
So when you switch yep. to the second thing, you lose that momentum. So you're like back down to zero, and you got to then ramp up and achieve momentum on the second project and so on and so forth. And as you're moving back and forth, that, that really mentally you're kind of going through this like start, stop, start, stop, which is mentally exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting. And you're right. You get much less done. So you really do. And doing, if people are in that mix, one at a time. <clears throat> mm-hmm. if people are in that mix, you're not really giving them your undivided attention. And the result is mistakes can get made easily. They don't feel the connection to you at the same level as if you focused just on them. I mean, so many nasty things came out of it. And I did that for years before I realized how wrong I was for doing it. Right. And I think we've all been through that. We've all had that experience. And I, I certainly have. And, you know, there, you're right. There is a much better way of doing it. But I, I think part of the resistance, uh, if you will, that some people may feel on hearing this is, we were inundated in this culture with like do more, do it faster, like, you know, get stuff done immediately and do more and more and more and faster and faster. And that's not necessarily the way I want to live my life because you can go through and and create checklists and go here are all these like 200 things I want to get done this week. And, you know, depending on, what kind of project you're working on and and where you are. Of course, there are exceptions to almost every example you can give, but uh, I don't want to feel like I am a gerbil on a treadmill just going, oh, I'm going to check, 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 and I've got all these things done, but have I enjoyed any of it? Have I enjoyed any facet of my life as I'm rushing through to get stuff done on this checklist? And I would say, no, I'm not. I've had the pleasure of knowing Matilda for a while. And, in fact, Matilda sponsored Les Brown's event. Um, The Speak and Grow Rich um, organization had an event in Portland last week where Les Brown was speaking. And, of course, he's sharing his legacy of who he is and how things work in the world. And Matilda being a sponsor was a really great opportunity for people to understand that somebody like Les has to really manage his time. So those of you who love and know him as a motivation, one of the number one motivational speakers and one of the most inspirational people in the world um, know that he has stage four cancer. And yet uh, he has figured out a way to manage uh, the treatments and whatever's going on for him and his ability to rest with his ability to do what he loves best, and that's and and that's show up and work and still travel and speak to you know 350 people, and and so it was really exciting that you know Matilda really had that um, support for the Speak and Grow Rich tour and for Les mm-hmm. Brown, and to me it was really exciting because I did see that example like that connection of time management and optimization, and Matilda you have created your own curriculum, your own course on how everybody can bend time for themselves. So I would really like you to, um, you know, share some different things about, you know, how that works. Because 
Gina was definitely right on the mark when she talked about people who multitask. Uh, now, I do know from research that I've done that less than 1% of the world can actually multitask. And one of the things that's, uh, that's also a misnomer is there's a, there's a myth that even the people who can multitask can multitask, like, different things it doesn't mean that we can like play softball and type a letter at the same time you know it means that like if i'm listening to a lecture i can type things in a computer that are meaningless things that take no effort for me that i'm just pushing a button because my hands can manipulate something that takes no brain processing the same time that I listen and intake information. But the second I have to brain process with my hands, it shuts off what I'm listening to. And so, um, so I'm very fortunate to be one of those people. And I learned that working in law enforcement, I did dispatch where we had to listen to and answer the phones and dispatch police officers while I watch, watch people in the jail and take bond money for the courts all at the same time <laughs> and handle 911 well, emergencies and get <laughs> it was so stressful. stressful. Yeah, and that's really kind of what people do in their own lives is what you were talking about, what you and Gina, like we start multitasking. It, it's almost like you're doing that because it's mm-hmm. things that aren't non-functional brain work. You know, those things are different than what people do. But what you've been talking about is really taking your life and optimizing the time that you spend with it. And so that's really what I want to get to that core of how you develop that system and and the key pieces of it. Okay. Um, Well, so my course is called Ultimate Time Mastery. And the material for the course probably came together over a process of about 10 years or so. And it includes kind of high level, like broad brushstroke pieces of, project management, because that's the the discipline that that I spent many years in, in my corporate life. But then it was also informed and um, kind of upgraded once I had children and I was managing a full-time career and a household and kids and kids' activities and, you know, illnesses in the family and a variety of things. So it's took about 10 years to develop this and, and hone it to something that, you know, I've used in, in my life and I've taught to, you know, numbers of clients and who've all found it really very effective when they go through and use it because I don't focus on any given tool or piece of software. These are all principles that you can apply whether you are someone who is, just completely gone digital and you don't want to touch paper and you want to keep everything online and in a digital um, task management system. And it works for you if you just really want to stick with post-it notes and a paper calendar. So the way we start off in this class is, like I said, you need to really understand where your focus is in your life. And there's a visual life map that is the first assignment in the course, and you lay out, you have to fill this out, this is the first assignment, of who and what are the most important things in your life. So we have the student in the class is like the middle of this circle, right, because this is the life that like swirls around you. And then we have three zones outside of that. We've got the heart zone that's the closest to you, then we've got life zone and casual zone. And in there, 
you need to really look at your life and decide in the heart zone, those are the things and the people that are closest to you. Anything that involves them is going to go to the top of your list. And then next is life zone and the next is casual zone. And after we do all of that, that's uh, a diagram that I've had students, as they're filling it out, have this epiphany and realize, like, oh, this is why I don't have any time because there are too many people that I'm trying to focus on all at the same time. So I've had students do a, here's a current view and here's the future view that I want to get to by the end of the class because they've, they've decided based on this visual map that they need to restructure their priorities. So after we go through and you have this visual map, then we go through and I take you through a prioritization matrix because uh, the other thing that I see uh, a lot of entrepreneurs struggling with, um, and especially entrepreneurs who are parents, is they feel like everything that they need to do has the same level of urgency and priority. And it's not possible to have the same level of urgency and priority for so many different things. When you really get down to it, you have to make some tough choices and say, okay, which is my number one priority that I will drop everything for? And then what's the second and the third and the fourth? And as we go through this prioritization matrix, I teach people how to prioritize without regret so they can go through and really own the decisions that they make and then not worry about it. Once you've made the decision, just full steam ahead and don't start engaging in guilt and regret and all that wasted energy that that entails. And so that's how we start off in the class and then we go through and you know, show them how to take a task list and whittle it down and then prioritize it. Because I, I see a lot of people with huge, almost like a laundry list of all these things that they need to get done. And it's usually not prioritized and it's not curated. So what I mean by that is they haven't gone through and really looked at that list and go, can some of these things just be deleted with no you know, adverse effect on anyone or adverse impact on anyone? And are there things I want to push off for a couple of years and not do right now? They just treat the entire list like, I've got to get all of this done. And, of course, that feels overwhelming. So that's how we approach coming out of overwhelm and taking ownership and control of the things that you engage in on a daily and weekly basis to move your life forward. Well, thank you for that comprehensive overview. Um, uh, well, I, I do have another question, so I'll go ahead and ask it. And then, uh, Gina, I'm sure that you probably have another one. So after Matilda's done with this, if you'll chime back in. So, you know, one of the pieces that I really like about you, Matilda, and you as a person, is you're really um, – calm and laid back about things, or at least you appear to be, so whether you are or not, you present that perfectly. And I've had the pleasure of sitting down with you where we've had discussions, and and you're so open to many things, and and the way that you describe things in the world and the way you manage them um, seems very, you, you it's thought-provoking, you know, like, it appears that you really do, are diligent about taking each thing and deciding what is that? How should I integrate that in my life? And how does that fit into my calendar 
so to speak, to help you manage things that are coming up new. Um, for example, we were on the Internet Marketers Cruise together, and some things were coming up for us for opportunities and challenges and other things. And the way that you take them and the way – it was almost like you would take something from me, and I could imagine it being put in the time slot. And so I wondered if you'd give me a little <laughs> input about how you um, – how your flexibility and adaptability, how you manage that um, with people for their calendars as far as time as well. So you mean when, like, competing requests come in? Yeah. Is that what you're referring Okay. So, yeah. well, thank you for, for that compliment. Yeah, I, I would say I'm um, much calmer now than I was, like, maybe 10 years ago. So... You know, there were times, like I did say, it took about 10 years, maybe a little bit longer for this system to come together. And, you know, during those times when I had a lot of stuff kind of crashing into my life all at the same time, um, I was not calm and centered. I, you know, at some points was, you know, crying and hysterical, like, how am I going to get all this stuff done? And what emerged out of that, so there's this whole trial by fire that went on that helped develop this. Um, program. But to, to get to your question of how, you know, when something comes on your radar that could technically be called a distraction because it's a new thing that you haven't really considered before, then the way I handle that is I try to get enough information to determine whether or not this, quote, distraction is something that will help move one of my goals forward Will it help it move it? Will it help move it forward faster with uh, perhaps a mentor, or is it something that's going to take me completely off course? And then once I've kind of mentally gone through that exercise, if the answer is it's going to take me off course, then it just gets put to the side or just completely disregarded. Like this is not the right fit right now. And if it's something that I feel will move me forward or get me the kind of, you know, expert mentoring that I need to move something forward or, you know, uh, create a, a part of my business I didn't have before, then that gets prioritized over some other things that I may have going on. And it may completely change the priority of what I have going on. So it's really, it's a stop, evaluate, reflect, and then decide instead of, what um, I used to do years ago is feel like, oh, well, since it's crossing my path, I have to do it. The answer is no, you don't have to do it. And <laughs> when you're still in that mindset of, oh, it's crossing my path, that means I have to do something, I have to engage, I have to, like, figure out time for this thing, you pause, take a breath, and evaluate it instead of the knee-jerk reaction of, well, how am I going to sit this in? Well, maybe you don't have to. Maybe it doesn't belong on your plate. Just because something came to you doesn't mean it needs to stay there. And I'd say that's Beautiful. probably the biggest difference between now and years ago as I was developing this <laughs> through, through life experience. <laughs> Gina, did you have a question for her? Well, that's a, a really big recognition. And I know so many people that feel like just because it came to them, they've got to move it forward. So mm -hmm. how do you overcome 
the resistance of that one piece, right? They feel like it, it because they it's there, they've just got to do it. Oh, I get what you mean. That how do you differentiate yeah. between what's important and, and urgent? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it it honestly depends on the request that comes in, right? So, you know, my thing, if it has anything to do with, you know, someone's health that's close to me, I, I will drop everything I'm doing and take care of that, right? And then other things get picked up. So the way I've um, developed this visual model of where your life, you know, where the pieces of your life are and, and what people and, and things and activities are most important to you, um, as that's brilliant, this, by the way, right? And as you look at that, this, was brilliant. If, oh, thank you. As you look at this, if things, if if your schedule, quote unquote, blows up because there's a true emergency, this visual map also gives you a map as to which pieces do you need to pick up first. So for me, when my kids were younger, I mean they're teenagers now, but when they were younger and into all of these various activities, like my number one focus, regardless of where I was working and what I was doing, is that their life is stable and they don't miss their activities. And then everything had to, like, fit in around that. And you get there by deciding what is most important. What, and to me at the time and even still now with them as teenagers, what is most important is that I am always there for the big moments in their life and for those conversations that they want to have. And that trumps everything. So, you know, for the people who feel like, oh, my God, I have to do this thing just because it um, crossed my path. So if we're not talking about, you know, medical emergency kind of things, you know, let's say um, they're given another project at work or, you know, for entrepreneurs who are presented with another business opportunity and they're already in development with a different business opportunity, um, if you see both of those opportunities and feel like, oh, my God, I'm going to do both and I only have enough energy for one, then I would say step back and look at how much work do you estimate is going to be involved in getting this project to completion or to be able to launch it and look at the potential economic gain that you're going to experience with each project or with each opportunity. And then if you've got the time and the energy and the resources to work on both or delegate one, great, do that, and then you can move both forward. And if you don't, and if you're one of those people who, like many of us, bootstrapped in the beginning and you, you know, have a limited amount of energy to move things along, then the one that's going to give you the most economic gain over the long term should be your top priority. And if you find yourself with these two opportunities that, you know, move you in two different directions, then, again, it becomes a cost-benefit of, like, which one really will give you the most traction. And um, I'm a huge proponent and a huge fan of listening to your intuition as well. Because if you've got these two opportunities and one looks like 
it's probably the economics and the reward is a little bit better, but you get this gut feeling of, oh, I really don't think I want to spend time on this. Well, then honor that and listen to that and maybe shelve that opportunity for the moment. Definitely. Where can our listeners? Sorry, let me just ask real quick. Where can our listeners uh, find a? Do you have a anything that can help them with that visual depiction that you walked us through earlier? Yes, that's um, one of the things that is um, a foundational piece of this online course that I have um, called Ultimate Time Mastery. So I'm. Uh, launching the summer version of Ultimate Time Mastery on June 4th. So they can certainly come in and take a look at that and see if that's something they want to continue with. And where would they find that? Well, I haven't uh, put up the page yet uh, for that. If they go to my website, which is optimizeyourtime.com, uh, I'm going to have pages up there for this course probably within the next week or so. Okay. Optimizeyourtime.com. And, boy, yeah. Andrea, she's starting that course the day before my birthday. You don't think that means Ooh. I'm supposed to give myself Happy this birthday. birthday gift, do you? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I-, I think you should. I'd like to have you in there. Well, I will admit that uh, Saturday is my birthday, my 50th, and I already have enrollment in the course right now. So <laughs> I'll be uh, way on my way of being done here <laughs> with uh, with that on my birthday. So <laughs> it is definitely helpful. Um, you know, one of the things that I can you know say for Matilda is that it's really given me an opportunity to slow down and think, um, you know, people have been telling me that for years and I know all my friends and peers and clients who are listening are going to be like, um, hello, I've been telling you that for years, <laughs> but they didn't give me a system. <laughs> there you go. Saturday. And I didn't invest in myself. <laughs> Two different things. So this, this Saturday, <laughs> the, the yeah. day before Cinco de Mayo, well, happy early birthday to you. So you guys are just like one month apart. I know. I didn't. And I'll be fifty-five, was, uh, Andrea. You're fifty. Ah. I'm fifty-five. We got big milestones this year. <laughs> well, there you uh, yeah, go. It's what? Quite fun. You know, and when and well, actually, it's funny. We'll use my birthday as an example. So managing time. I know a lot of you listeners that are because we attract so many really amazing high quality authors and um, entrepreneurs and influencers. So for example, I fly all over the world. I'm traveling all the time. Gina, likewise, she's really busy. She has multiple clients. She's managing between the phone and traveling and everything. We we're just are super busy people. And so I'm celebrating my birthday in, in Vegas this year because I'm, I'm working the think and grow rich legacy world tour with John Chin and his crew in LA they're doing their launch and then the second it's over I'm flying to Vegas so I can go to dinner for my birthday and then the next day I start a bug free mastermind and I literally just pulled up to my door in Ohio 
to see my family when I had to get on the radio show. So I haven't. I, I waved out the window at my husband as he drove by, <laughs> and I haven't seen him for a week. Oh and my goodness! Because I've been on the road. Goodness. <laughs> so Man, literally, you, it was a you wave. Are busy. <laughs> Yeah. And so when it comes to time and managing time, you know, um, it's been really helpful to think about Matilda's strategies and solutions because with travel, I have to be extremely flexible and adaptable because of weather and crazy things that happen all the time where flights are delayed and things happen and how do I manage my time or take and put something in where it wasn't before. And so um, maybe, Matilda, would you address that a little bit more about um, when when you have accidental free time and then how you (laughs) go back to your list and figure out what to grab again? (laughs) I love that question. Accidental free time. <laughs> we need more of that. <laughs> so I agree. Yeah, so, <laughs> I want more of that accidental free time. Um, yeah. So one of the things that uh, I teach my students is, you know, you start with the, this task list, and basically what I ask them to do is, I want you to do a brain dump of everything that's in your head, everything that you're trying to keep track of. And then we whittle that down. And I've had some people say, I-, I can't do this. It's too overwhelming. I'm like, listen, I'm not asking you to solve anything or finish anything. Just write it down. And then we go through and curate it, which means we, um, I have them delete about 50 to 60% of that list. And then what is left is then prioritized. So with your accidental free time, when what truly, instead of being a long uh, to-do list, is actually a trimmed-down, prioritized action list, then you just go to the, you know, whatever tool you use to track it, whether it is a day timer or a notebook or your uh, online tool on your phone. You go to the next item on that list to go, okay, in this free time, I'm going to choose to knock this next thing out. Or if you need some, you know, mental space and relaxation, uh, maybe what you do during that free time is meditate or read and not always be uh, on as far as, you know, with any kind of free time, I'm always going to go back to work, work, work. So you kind of plan that out. And when you have that list ready to go, it's pretty easy to just go and go, okay, what's the next thing on here? And you know you've spent time structuring it and prioritizing it, so you know the next thing that you're going to pick will continue to move you forward. That's how I would do it. Well, that sounds extremely helpful. You still helpful. there, Andrea? Yeah, it sounds very helpful. I um, I, I was kind of contemplating that in while... <laughs> So it was what's fine. We have to start doing Zoom video so you can see me in contemplation. Uh, um, you know, one. You know, it. well, it's because I have so many things come up all the time, and and sure. so I can see where that would be so helpful. You know, uh, just even more so the more I think about you know what you've shown me and then how to actually utilize it. So the more and more things come up is more. You know, it's it's really it is a an exercise in management. It's um. You know, now I know the skills, and I'm starting mm-hmm. to practice them. But until they are a muscle reaction to mm-hmm. categorize them and not think everything's, you know, on fire now, 
um, you know, uh, and, and I have a lot of clients who are like that. Oh, actually, maybe that would be actually another a question, good question for you. It's, do you have any suggestions on working with other people? Because I have one client in particular, everything's on fire, even when it's not. I mean, like, he'll give me a list. Oh, of I've got one of those, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and all yeah. 12 things are on fire. And they're not. <laughs> and they're not. So part of that, you know, and a lot of this is mindset work, because if you think you can conquer it, you can. And if you think that it's too overwhelming and you'll never wrap your head around it, you won't. So in the first class, on the first day when, when you get this visual map assignment, we also spend a, a good chunk of that class talking about mindset. And um, one of the pieces of the, the kind of mindset training that, that I've been involved in in the last couple of years, one of the key um, tenets of that mindset is the power of decision. Because what happens when you make a decision is you start activating uh, what is called the reticular activating system in your brain. It's actually a physical part of your brain that filters out a lot of input and when you start focusing on something so look at this way if you've if you've ever bought a car right and you're out driving all of a sudden you notice that make and model of car everywhere on the road and it feels like oh did we all go shopping together because now this is all I see is this car or I see a lot of it Well, it's not that everyone went shopping at the same time. It's that you enrolled this reticular activating system. And when you enroll it, what you're essentially telling your brain is, this make and model of car is important to me, so notice it. And when you're out in the world, you've given your brain marching orders on what to notice. So, of course, all of this stuff starts coming up. So when you make a new decision you start enrolling your brain in whatever that new decision is. So for people who feel like everything is urgent, I never have enough time, and, you know, I can never wrap my head around this, what we do is walk them through this process and invite them to make a new decision. And the the new decision I invite them to make is I always have time for things that are important to me. So I would I would guess the, the, the people who, and we've all met um, people like this, who are either easily overwhelmed or they really haven't given themselves the gift of sitting down and looking at all 12 or 15 or however many things they have going on and deciding that there, there is a number one on this list and there's a number 15 on this list. And even if, the prioritization between one, two, and three, and so on and so forth, are very, very small. There's one item in there that is more important than the other 14 that they're dealing with. And if you haven't kind of gifted yourself the time to look at it and go, they cannot all be equally important, let me just work on the first one, or, um, you know, what happens if you don't get them done? Well, as they're having this overwhelming experience, they don't have any of those 15 done. And really nothing bad has happened to them. They feel overwhelmed, but they're in essence kind of 
churning that up inside of themselves. So it, it's helpful to ask them to take a step back and just take a breath and go, you know, if you had to pick, which one would you pick? And you would probably experience some resistance and they come back with, well, they're all important. It's like, of course they are and they'll all get done. But if we can only do one at a time, which one would you pick? And eventually they'll tell you which one is truly the most important. So, you know, part of that, and and that's why I include mindset in this course, because part of it is making the decision that, you know, you you will be given the tools to know how to prioritize the things that you decide are important. So at no point in, in this course and working with me do I do I sit down and tell you what you should be doing. It's like I give you the tools and you know, guide you through how to use them, but ultimately the the clients I work with are the ones who decide what their priorities are. I don't dictate them to you. Just guide you to to you know how to use the tools to figure out what you need to do. That's really awesome because if you did try to dictate this is what you should be doing, this is what you will be doing, they're not going to take ownership of it at the same level. Mm-hmm. As when they're making that choice consciously for themselves, and so had you dictated it, it would, even if they got the results you you could potentially get for them for the short term, I doubt they'd stick for the long term. But the way that you go about it, giving them the tools, the framework, and the guidance on how to use them, it should have a long term impact on them, which is really awesome. Yeah, I mean, and and some of that is accountability, too. I mean, with some of my private clients where we start getting into, you know, their business operations and their, you know, their workflow and their systems, um, what I start doing is, is find out what their priorities are and how they function now, how they delegate. Are they a detail-oriented person? Are they the quick start, big picture I don't want to deal with detail type person. Um, they the ones who love detail. So then as we go through and start looking at more of uh, their business and what they're focused on, there are times when um, to do my job, I do need to challenge them and, and in, in so many words say, no, really, you need to do it this way. But the way I end up phrasing that is this is what you said your goal was. This is how you're doing it. This is why it's not effective. Here's another method that would be more effective in getting you to where you want to go and where you said you want to go. Your choice, which one you're going to do. And, you know, as when you start laying it out like that, then, and then just kind of let them um, sit with that for a week or so. And then they come back and go, huh. Okay, I do recognize that about myself. What what do I need to do now to fix this? But first you first you have to spend a little bit of time and, you know, build credibility one on one before you can even start approaching listen, this is the way you need to do it. Um, so it's more of an invitation of, you know, you're doing A, you're not gonna get results, here's a few other things you might want to try that will get you closer. And 
you know, see what happens. But really, I mean, the, the people who are, who recognize that um, they do want to get more organized than they are or they do want to make some kind of change are really the people who have the most success because they already recognize that they want to do something differently. They just don't have the tools yet. Yeah. And I would imagine that those are the people you really make the biggest impact on. For Andrea and I who have clients who have everything is a super hot to-do item that has to be done right now that don't know that, that they really should be doing things differently. They are not ideal candidates for your program because they would never, they'd never use it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it does, it does involve the willingness to look at, this is how I've been doing things, you know, are you, are you open to at least listening to another point of view? And then if you listen to it and decide, hey, this isn't workable for me, okay, cool, I understand that. No problem. Then, you know, it was uh, good to get to know you. And, you know, there may be another teacher who can speak your language better than I can. And that's totally fine. Just, you know, different people explain things different ways. And, you know, with all of us, we connect with some of that. And with others, it's like, yeah, I don't quite understand what you're saying. So, you know, if I get those people who don't, who who I don't speak to natively and they, they don't get what I'm trying to teach, I totally understand that. And, and like I always say, when the student is now. ready, the teacher will appear. And, you sure. know, Absolutely. a lot of times it's not just find a different teacher. It's just the student's not ready. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yes. the case yes. with the Absolutely. client Andrea and I were referring to. They are <laughs> just not ready. Maybe. Or maybe they just need um, information shared in a different way. Right. And that's where that's also like, all of us, all three of us are business consultants. And so, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's where, because each one of us speaks in a different language and that's how clients find us. You know, because that's what's funny. A lot of times people right. in the world are like, competitive but you know there is enough people for all three of us to like even invite maybe another thousand business consultants to join because we can't serve the whole world <laughs> absolutely totally agree That's right. and yeah. we'll have fun trying yeah <laughs> but we will have fun trying <laughs> that we so, will um, let's, yeah so let's touch on some of the others i mean so time is really one of your major focuses as well um, but the fact that you've dealt with some really high-end executive people, um, you know, that that's another piece of that time management that's different. So we're talking about delegation. Um, so it's not just delegating um, services, but delegating time to delegate people to do other things. And so I have found for myself that I've had a lot of resistance to that in the past. Um, because the idea of writing standing operating procedures and teaching somebody else to do something took a lot of time, and I would never, I never would complete the reasoning. Like I would start it and then not finish it, um, and found it easier 
at the time to complete the job rather than following through and getting that done so someone else could take over, which is really optimal in, in your way of getting your life to work is to enrolling other people to do something in it. And uh, so I wondered if you'd address that. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're describing is such a classic entrepreneurial catch-22. As you are building your business, you develop a certain way of working, and, you know, clearly it works for you and you keep it going. And it's very um, easy to get into this mindset of, well, well, no one's going to do it like me. Therefore... I need to keep doing it. And while well, it's so true, many entrepreneurs like by you, nature, right? so many entrepreneurs by nature are micromanagers. It's just their nature. And they've got mm. to recognize that about themselves before they can hear the message that you've got for them on this topic. Um, yeah, I would say some are. I don't know if I would say all of them are. All of them, I would say, know how they want something done. And I think a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs would love to find that operations manager or business partner or employee who just kind of gets their shorthand and can understand what they want and go execute it. And, you know, that is a fantastic goal to have when you want to, because clearly when you delegate something, you want it done to your standard. Um, but I think there is plenty of room in there to teach someone what your standard is. And then the piece that's really difficult, I think, for all of us is to let go and then allow that staffer or VA or employee or whoever it is that you're delegating to let them accomplish that task in their own way, still to your standard. But if they do it slightly different than you do, but it still gets done, it's still effective, it still gets the results you want, and it frees you up, then is it really worth your time to go and micromanage them? And, and that takes some self-reflection, I think, to get to that point. Um, I, I think entrepreneurs and people who are just starting to get to that process of, you know, I need to delegate some of this work in order for me to grow because if I'm doing everything on my own, there's a limit to how much you can actually get done in a day, in a week. Um, start with, I think, smaller tasks that are less likely to trigger that need to control in you, the entrepreneur. And as that um, person who's working for you, as that team member who you're, who you're bringing on board and training, as they gain more of your trust and as they're doing these smaller projects for you, I think by developing that trust, you're going to start giving them bigger pieces and more important assignments. And when they continue to deliver on that, I think it, it becomes more of a gradual letting go. I don't think it's something that you can just um, necessarily, you know, cut the cord one day and go, okay, I'm now, like, relinquishing control over 90% of the stuff. 
uh, I, I think that would be um, such a systemic shock for most entrepreneurs. I don't think they'd do it. But I think, I think you're right. works better. Yeah, because for a lot of them, they would feel like, well, if I'm not doing it, therefore I have no control. Sure you do. You're the one who sets the standard. And you're the one who decides what to delegate. But like anything, I think it's a learned skill. And if you start with something smaller and, you know, be mindful of the fact that you didn't do it perfectly the first couple times either and, you know, have that grace with your staff member, then, you know, I think the entrepreneur starts getting more comfortable in delegating bigger and bigger pieces. Now, did I hear Andrea correctly? Do you work with both executive teams and entrepreneurs? I have done a lot of work with executives. Um, So some of the entrepreneurs that I work with, I mean, do have a small team, so I do count them as executives. And um, part of the work that we do is mindset work and, you know, also do coaching with them on delegation and project management and communicating with staff and customers and vendors. Is there much of a difference between how you would work with an executive team or an executive versus how you would work with an entrepreneur or are you essentially teaching them the same thing? Uh in a lot of ways, you're teaching them the same thing um, because, you know, if someone is a corporate executive, I mean, at some point, they, if they're the ones who founded the company, they were that solo entrepreneur at some point. And, you know, they have successfully grown into a more executive role because, you know, the company took off, they hired more people. And, you know, they're able to keep that going. And then I get brought in to either fine-tune some of um, those business systems to make it even more effective. Uh, But in most of those cases, I would say that understanding what the executive or the entrepreneur wants to get done and how they operate now and then watching what they want to do versus how they operate and um, watching their patterns, being able to, to really effectively challenge them by pointing out that if they continue to operate the way they have been and don't invest the time in themselves and in their company to really learn different ways of delegating or different ways of operating, then they're not going to reach this goal that they have set for themselves. So with some executives, if we're talking more on the corporate side, um, they may have a little more resistance to that because, you know, as they're changing, they may or may not feel that the, that corporate machine around them would um, keep pace with the way they're changing with entrepreneurs or executives in smaller, more nimble organizations, you know, as the executive changes, the entire culture shifts. 
So it really depends on the size of the organization. Makes um, total sense. But ultimately, yeah, I think it's the same. It's the willingness of, of that leader to uh, hear the information and then take action on the information that they're given. I mean, those are the two that it really doesn't matter what size the organization is. It really comes down to the individual and, you know, how much work and self-reflection they're willing to put in. Angela, any final thoughts or questions? Yeah, I was wanting to, um, Matilda, I want to remind people to uh, check you out, too, and correct me if I'm wrong. So it's www.optimizeyourtime.com, and they can uh, reach out to you and let you know if they're interested in getting engaged with the next class that starts in June. And then they can also, um, at that time, say happy birthday to Gina. And then... (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And then, um, you know, um, and then teach, uh, and then and the closing comment, I guess, of, and, and to keep it fairly short because we're almost out of time, um, how do you teach time to children, time management to children? Mm, well, that's an interesting one. I, how do I teach time management to children? I tend to focus on the 18 and over <laughs> as far as the course is concerned. Um, how do I teach it to my kids? Well, that's an interesting one. Because um, I assume that you probably basically, do basically, it's like you, you, you can't have everything right now. So you have to decide if you want the red toy or the blue toy. You can't, you can't have both at the same time. So you have to pick. So it's not so much time management; it's like teaching them how to prioritize. Because ultimately, that's how you end up managing yourself. And that is what people will say, well, you're good at time management. It's like, no, you're good at managing your expectations, your energy, and knowing what your priorities are. That's what, quote, time management really is. So when you teach kids how to prioritize, like, you can have it all eventually, but right now you've got to make a choice. I, I think that's what, what is missing with a lot of people. It's like, I want it all now. I'm like, you know you won't because you'll be even more overwhelmed. So I'd say teach them priorities. Fabulous. Yeah, I love it. I mean, that's us as adults. I mean, that's a lot of it is we don't always <laughs> we don't always know our priorities. And we're used to a I want it all now world. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yes, we, we so, are. Yeah, so uh, with that, um, uh, I'll, I'll let Gina do the close. And uh, I thank you so much, uh, Matilda, for being with us. Uh, is that okay with you, Gina? Absolutely. Matilda, thank you so much. This was really helpful. I will definitely be going over to check out that course. And Andrea thank and I will be back same time, same place next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. Have a fantastic week, everybody, and happy early birthday, Andrea. Thank you so much. Thank you both. Bye. It's been a pleasure. Bye, everybody. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.